This season of uh, preparing for Christmas is called Advent in the church. Advent means the coming. We think about and anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ into the world, born as a baby in Bethlehem. And last week we talked about Jesus' family tree, if you remember, his genealogy, where he came from. We're going to continue on in the book of Matthew, and we're going to look at the story of Jesus' birth through the perspective of Joseph this time. The Gospel writer Luke focuses on the, the Mary in his narrative. The Gospel writer Matthew focuses on Joseph. So we're going to take a look at Joseph this morning. And uh, since we're going to talk about such a, a godly, awesome man, I asked a godly, awesome man, Minister John, to come and read the scripture for us this morning. So let's welcome John. And you can open up to Matthew chapter 1. Joseph this morning, a character that we're, we're not too familiar, well, we're really familiar with, but we don't know a whole lot about. There's not too much about his backstory except his family history. Uh, there's a little bit about, you know, his life with Jesus. And then somewhere in the gospel narrative, he tends to fade out of the picture a little bit, leading a lot of people to believe that maybe, you know, he passed away when he was young or something like that. But we don't know for sure exactly what happened to Joseph. But we're going to take a look at this situation this morning and just realize how ordinary and, and, how, and how really... Um, just like us, Joseph and Mary were, you know, we tend to think of them, you know, in this kind of holy way, right? With that kind of this glow around them. And we forget that they were just real down to earth people like us going through what they went through, okay? And as I look at the story of Joseph, I'm really impressed by the way that he heard the word of the Lord and obeyed. So I've entitled this message, Do the Right Thing. And um, I'm pretty sure we, we checked this out, so we don't have this as last week, but I'm just going to make sure that the projection booth has my PowerPoint. And if they don't, I'll try it again. All right, I think it's coming up. Or at least it should be. Because I can stop it and restart it. The presenter hasn't started it yet. Well, I did start it, I tell you what. All right, let me, let me try this again. And then it should come up. So I'm thinking about um, Joseph and how he heard the word of the Lord and he obeyed the word of the Lord. And, you know, it's not going to work, just describe it. Just it's what happens on a snow day. It doesn't always work, so. 
Well, let's just start a slideshow. Like the rest of us, right? <laughs> no idea. It worked so great for like 20 weeks in a row. And I just decided this month to be a little funny on us. So, um, story of Joseph doing the right thing. Um, as you probably have heard, if you've seen a Christmas play, how many of you have seen a Christmas play or, or show, right? You know that Mary is often portrayed as very young, right? Mary is probably like 14 or 15 years old. And uh, that was the age that a lot of women were, were pledged to be married back then. So she could have been 14, 15, 16, anywhere in there. And Joseph is usually played as someone a lot older, right? Sometimes, in my opinion, a little too old, like he's in his 30s or 40s. And, and that's a little bit of a stretch, to be honest with you. Again, we don't know how old Joseph was, but some scholars say he was probably 18 or 19 or 20. So I just wanted to give us a little better perspective on the situation as it was. Joseph, you know, he could have been older, I guess. There's nothing that tells us one way or the other. But, um, you know, if you're like me, sometimes when you have like the Joseph looking really, really old and Mary looking really, really young. It just doesn't relate to me, you know? But I think they were closer in age than what we thought that they were. But they were pledged to be married, which was a very common practice. And when they were pledged to be married, it was taken seriously because once that happened, you were committed to each other. You were bound to each other. Although according to the law, you still weren't allowed to have sex with each other yet, okay? So you were still supposed to wait until the marriage had been officially done. But you were pledged to be with each other. It was a time of preparation, a time of getting ready to get married. And to break that engagement, you know, carried consequences because, you know, the, the, the price that was paid, the dowry, might have already been exchanged in some cases. So to break the engagement was a serious business. It wasn't like just getting mad one day and deciding and saying, that's it. You know, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. But at the same time, you were still required, you know, to, to be sexually pure and, and to not come together with your wife until that time that you were married. And that's what was expected by the law. So we see that when Mary was found to be pregnant, even though they were engaged and pledged and yet Joseph knew that they hadn't slept together right I mean we have to take them at their word right because you know that if somebody came to you and said they were pregnant but they hadn't slept with anybody you would scratch your head right none of us would believe that in this day and age we would be like okay I don't know what you're thinking in your mind but I've been to health class and I know what happens okay and the fact that you're pregnant means something has happened and it was the same back then Joseph up and at the first didn't have any idea that something was going on yet God had not revealed to him yet that there was something different something unique something supernatural happened in this situation. So you can imagine the emotions that Joseph must have been feeling. You can imagine what was going through his mind when he finds out that Mary is pregnant and he's got to decide what is he going to do. And what he decides to do is what the law requires. So in the beginning, he says, look, this is not right. I know that I'm not the father. Something has happened here that is wrong. And it says in the text that Joseph was faithful to the law. That's the first thing we know about Joseph. That's why Joseph is such an inspiring character in the Bible from the little bit that we get of him, is that he wanted to be faithful to the law. In other words, he was righteous. Joseph was righteous. Everybody say that. Joseph was righteous. Okay, the first thing is that he's righteous. That means he wants to do the right thing, right? Before Spike Lee even made the movie, Joseph wanted to do the right thing. He understood that I need to do the right thing, which is I need to divorce her. I need to break off this engagement because, first of all, no one's going to understand this. We're going to live under this public disgrace. They might even be shunned from their families, shunned from the community because this is back in the day, you know, where this kind of thing was just not accepted or embraced. I mean, it would have been very, very difficult even if they got married. And he said, I know what I must do. I must do the right thing. He was a righteous man. But he had a choice. 
he could divorce her publicly and expose her to public disgrace. And technically, according to the law, she still could have been killed, stoned to death by people throwing stones on her. Although that didn't happen a lot in Jesus' time, it still was possible that that could have happened. But most likely something less drastic, but still heavy would have happened to her. And she would have been exposed to public disgrace. And basically, her life may have been over. Sometimes women, instead of just being outright killed, they were abandoned, you know, and just left. Which basically is like sentencing them to death if nobody's going to take care of them, if nobody's going to protect them, if nobody's going to provide a place for them. He could have done that. That would have been the right thing to do. But he had a choice about how to do the right thing. You get me? A choice about how he was going to go about doing the right thing. So he decided to divorce her quietly so that he wouldn't expose her to public disgrace. So we see that Joseph was also kind and compassionate. And that's what I love about Joseph. That's what inspires me, is that he was righteous, but he was also compassionate. He was kind, and he brought those two things together. And I want to tell you, friends, that in in following God and becoming more like Jesus Christ, those two things always go together. You cannot have righteousness without compassion. And you cannot have true compassion without righteousness. Their truth and love always go together. You see, it's not enough to just do the right thing, but God wants you to have the right attitude. God wants your heart to be in the right place. God wants both your hands that do the right thing and your heart that has the right attitude. You see, God wants both. He doesn't want to settle for anything less. That's what we talked about with Jonah a few weeks ago. Remember, Jonah did the right thing, but he still had a problem with his heart. He still had bitterness. He still had anger towards other people. And God said, I don't just want you to do the right thing. I want you to have the right heart. And so often we just excuse ourselves with one or the other, right? We do the right thing without any compassion. And we don't care how people feel. And we we comfort ourselves and go, well, I did the right thing. At least I did the right thing. I did what was right. But there was no love in our hearts. And what good is that on the other side? Oh, but I just, I just did what my heart told me to. I, I was just compassionate, you know. I just because I loved them, you know, I did something I wasn't supposed to do. Or I allowed something to happen that wasn't supposed to happen. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. If you do something wrong for someone you love, then you're not loving them. Because love and righteousness go together. In fact, righteousness means that you do what is loving which means what is best for the other person, what flows out of God's love through you to others. You know, love is always the right thing, and it's always the right thing to love, right? It's always the right thing. When you decide to love someone, that's always the right thing to do. Jesus said, listen, you guys know it from your history, that all of the laws, all of the rules, all of the regulations, all of the guidelines that I've given you, they're summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And out of that, love each other as you would love yourselves. So when you do that, all of the law gets fulfilled. When you do that, you don't have to worry about anything. When you do that, if you're wondering about whether what you're doing is right or not, then just ask yourselves those two questions. Does what I'm doing show my love for God? And does what I'm doing show that I truly love someone else? You fulfill both of those things and you're doing the right thing. And God's love is filling your heart so that your heart can be changed with compassion. And so I love Joseph, and I love this picture because it shows how compassionate and how kind that he is. But he was still committed to righteousness. He would not not give up what he knew he had to do until the Lord came to him. 
The Lord came to him and spoke to him and told him, now you think this is what the law requires to you. Now I'm telling you what I want you to do. And Joseph heard the word of the Lord and he obeyed the word of the Lord. That angel came to Joseph in the night, right? And because this was so unique, because no one had ever gotten pregnant in this way before, no one had ever had the Holy Spirit come upon them and just deposit a baby inside of them, because people were not going to believe this, people were not going to understand this, the Lord knew in His infinite wisdom and grace and mercy, right, that Joseph needed a visit from the angel, right? He needed an angel of God to come and to tell him what to do. And when Joseph heard the word of God, heard the angel of God, he obeyed what God told him to do and that obedience is part of what it means to be a great person as well how many of us would like to be visited by an angel right we're always thinking about this this time of year right how many christmas movies are about angels right from it's a wonderful life to the bishop's wife my favorite it's all about angels coming to help us right and we would love it if an angel would show up and just help us right but but let's be honest what kind of help are we asking for from the angel right angel clean up my place a little bit you know angel do some grocery shopping for me i mean what kind of angel are we looking for we always say i want god to tell me what to do right if god would just show up man if god came to me in a dream if an angel just appeared in my room. How many of you remember Touched by an Angel? Anybody old enough to remember that show? Touched by an Angel, right? Remember that? And the light would come on and Roman Downey would smile like, oh, the angel's coming. And the angel would just tell everybody what to do and make everything beautiful again. We're like, yes, God, I want to be touched by an angel. I want to tell you this morning, no, you don't. <laughs> you do not want to be touched by an angel because it is not what you think it is. If the glory of the Lord were to fill your room, man, if God were to tell you exactly what to do, I contend this morning that you would still have a hard time doing it. Because we don't like sometimes what God tells us to do. We don't understand what God tells us to do. And we have a thousand and one reasons why it won't work. And how many of you know what I'm talking about? Because it doesn't even have to be the word of God. I've just told people some common sense things. And they tell me a thousand and one reasons why it won't work. And then they come to me and complain, why am I still in this situation? Okay, what have we got here, right? It's not, I mean, we, it's not that we don't hear the word of God. It's that we have a hard time obeying the word of God when it comes to us, no matter what form it comes in. No matter, because we have the word of God. We read the word of God and it speaks to us and we're supposed to obey it, but we don't. We resist it. We're not sure about it. Because when it comes down to it, we just do what we want to do. That's what we do. We're not willing to follow God into difficult places. Oh, we can sing about it, right? Oh, we can sing about it this morning. We love it, man. It's our favorite song. It's like we love it when it comes on the radio, right? Oceans, you know? Yeah, oceans, water. Woo! I love to be at the beach. But Oceans is talking about a storm. When Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, a storm broke out. This is not about walking on a calm lake, you know, that doesn't have anything. He knew his whole point in getting out of the boat and walking on the water. A storm was coming. You say you want to walk on the water. Do you want to walk in the storm? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk on the waters wherever you would lead me. I heard you all singing it. Oh, yes, yes. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. Yes, Lord, yes. Let my faith be made stronger. Yes, God, take me out. 
I have a friend, uh, she was telling me recently she has this plaque in her house that says, Spirit, lead me where my faith is without borders. And she and her husband are thinking about moving to another country to serve God. And her parents aren't too crazy about that. So she said, her mom came over the other day and said, I'd like to scratch that out and say, Spirit, lead me to stay here in America. <laughs> I mean, that's real though, right? That's real. We can say, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. But what we really mean is, Spirit, lead me to a nice, safe job. Spirit, lead me to where I'm comfortable enough that I have all my needs provided for, that I don't have to worry about nobody else. Do we really want to go where God's Spirit would lead us to go? Do you really want to get beyond your own resources to the place where you have to trust God? And I want to give a shout out to my people who have been there because I know a lot of you got to that place not by your own choice, but because of the way things happened, you found yourself with water coming up to your neck, you know? And it just felt like it kept rising and rising and rising. And you thought, I'm done for, this is it. I cannot make it through this. But the grace of God found you there, amen? Amen, Amen. the grace of God found you there. And I applaud what God has done in your life. I applaud the courage that you have. Not only was Joseph obedient, he was courageous, right? Think about the courage that it took to do this. This was something that no one would understand. This is something, this is something they probably couldn't even talk about, right? Because what would be the point when people would start whispering and snickering about the situation or they'd start talking behind their back? God forbid there was social media back then. Mary and Joseph would have had to get off Facebook altogether, right? Because people are like, can you believe Joseph and Mary? They're saying that, they, you know, whatever. So they might have had to keep it to themselves. They had to be courageous to follow God's leading. Because nobody was going to understand this. And can I tell you this this morning? The Spirit revealed this to me to share with you. Sometimes when you are obeying the word of God, it's just between you and God. Other people may not understand. And there are things that I've learned in my life in 26 plus years of marriage. That there are some things that my wife and I have to decide that's really just between us and God. And nobody else. Nobody else. There are things that are that deep. That God speaks to us. Maybe it speaks to you and there are things deep in your life that God speaks to you. Nobody might understand. No, honestly. I mean, I know we love to say that. Nobody understands. Sometimes you're right. Nobody does really understand. Sometimes you are alone, but you're with God. And God knew that Joseph was going to have that courage to do what God was asking him to do. And so he sent the angel, he sent his presence, he sent his word. And I do believe that in some way, some shape, some form, God will show up in your life when you need it. Because I believe that God is always with you. Amen? Amen. God is with you. His presence is with you. His spirit is with you. I mean, think about this. This was before Jesus had given the Holy Spirit. Now check that out. People back then, these visitations were what they got. It was Jesus had not yet been born. Jesus was not yet grown. Jesus did not yet die. Jesus did not yet raise from the dead. Jesus did not yet ascend to heaven. And Jesus had not yet sent back his Holy Spirit to fill everyone who believes you have something that Joseph never had. You have the Holy Spirit of God in your life. Every minute of every moment of every day, God is with you. God is with you. And his strength and his power and his comfort are yours. And he gives you the courage that you will need 
I know you guys know this, but courage is not the absence of fear, but it's moving forward in spite of your fear, right? Courage is not the absence of fear. You know, most people who say that they're not afraid when they should be afraid, they're either lying or just not very smart at that moment. Because there are times you need to be afraid, right? People say, oh, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. No, sometimes you need to be afraid because that's what the situation is saying. It is a dangerous and difficult situation that you are facing. But courage is not just getting rid of that fear. Courage is stepping out into that fear. Amen? Amen? When Peter walked on the water, it wasn't that the storms went away, but it's that he knew he could walk even if the storm stayed. Do you know what I'm talking about? That kind of courage. That kind of courage to obey the Lord, to follow the Lord. It was the call that God placed upon Joseph's life. And what did God call Joseph to do? He said, listen, I want you to raise a son that is not your own. That's why I wanted us to think about that for a minute this morning. Joseph was Jesus' stepdad. He was asked to raise a child. He was told, you give him the name, Jesus. You're going to give him the name. You're going to take him as your own, and you're going to raise him, right? Jesus didn't just immediately become an adult. That may, I mean, I, this blows my mind every Christmas. You know? Joseph had to change the diapers of the Son of God. I would be going like, God, really? <laughs> I mean, this is your son. Do I have to change this diaper? You know, he had to watch him learn how to walk, learn how to talk, taught him how to do carpentry, raised him, played with him, reminded him of things, took him to train him, loved him. He and his mom cooked for him, cared for him, watched over him, held him, loved him, did all of that. Joseph was being called to be committed to God's word to him, to be committed. And, and I just find that so inspiring because I know there are a lot of people who've made that commitment, amen? And probably a lot of you here today. And I just want to give a shout out this morning and recognize every single stepdad, stepmom, grandparent, grandparent, and uncle that's been asked to raise a child that's not your own. I, I salute you. I salute you this morning. And Joseph is your patron saint. Joseph is the one that shows you what it looks like to be committed to follow God's because that's what our children need, right? Our children need godly examples. Our children need people who know who they are in Christ, who know that Joseph was such an awesome man. And I'm sure that we, we want to be that for the children that we are raising, right? For people that we're mentoring, for people that we're influencing. And I just want to tell you that it is, a, it is a commitment that is honored by God, and God will give you strength to do it. And you could just pray, God, give me the strength that Joseph had to raise you. Because I'm being asked to raise and care for a child that is not my own. But that child needs it, and God has placed you in that life for a reason and a purpose. You see, God had a plan, God had a purpose, and Joseph was going to participate in it. Like what we've been talking about this whole fall semester, when we talked about the other Joseph, the one that went down to Egypt, right? God had a plan and he participated in God's plan. God says, I've got this plan to save the whole world and it's amazing and it's going to come through this baby Jesus that is born. But Joseph, I want you to participate in my plan, right? By obeying me, taking Mary as your wife, giving this child the name Jesus, raising him as your own child so that he can fulfill the purposes that I have in the world. And Joseph, you're going to participate in that and to me, Joseph was amazing. When we talk about our children needing godly influences, right? We talk about who can they look up to, right? Who are the mentors? Who are the role models, right? When I was a kid, we talked about it like this. It's like you're trying to figure out what it means to be a real man, right? 
or a real woman. Well, I look at Joseph this morning, and I'm inspired that both for men and women, that, that Joseph really exemplifies what I think it means to be a strong man or a strong woman of God. Because I believe that real men and real women are rocks, all right? Joseph was the rock. No, not that rock. You're paying attention, you're awake? No, that's the wrong kind of rock. But this is the kind of rock that Joseph was. He was righteous, obedient, courageous, and kind. And that's what I think it means to be a real man is to be righteous, obedient, courageous, and kind. Amen? Amen? Can I tell you this? I also think that's what it means to be a real woman. Because Mary was also all of these things. She was righteous, obedient, courageous, and kind. Amen? So we need strong women as well. In fact, we need, we need a lot of rocks. We need rock stars. God wants you to be a rock star. God wants men and women to be raised up to be rock stars in this generation. Amen? Can we praise God for that? And this is what it means, that we are righteous. That we do the right thing. We say the right thing. We do the right thing. That we're obedient to the word of God. That we're courageous. Even though it's difficult and fearful. And that we're kind. That we remember that we have to have love from God in everything that we say and everything that we do. Right? And if we had more people that were just committed to be like this. To actually do the right thing. To be obedient to God's word. Can I say something about that? I heard a pastor a long time ago who said this, and it always stuck with me. He said, some of you are waiting on God to give you a word, but you're not going to receive that word until you obey the one he already gave you. You won't receive the next word of God until you obey the one that he already spoke to you. And that's where I found myself. Thinking, yeah, I'm wanting this new word of God, but have I truly obeyed and committed and lived into the word that he already gave me to do? And I've had many times like that just in prayer before God where I'm seeking God for something and I'm getting frustrated. I'm not sure what to do. And it seems like God gently reminds me of something he already spoke to me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, God, I know you gave me that word a few months ago. I wrote it down in my journal, you know, and God's like, no, no, no. He speaks it again. It's like, yes, I need to listen to that word that you've already given to me. I need to rest in that word. I need to dwell in that word and courageous and be kind. How many of you know it's hard to be these things? Amen. How many of you know, right? How many of you have tried to do the right thing, but you failed? Yep, that's me. How many of you um, have wanted to be obedient, but you've resisted because it was hard and you didn't want to obey? And you weren't, you know, I I have, I, I, you know. We learn early and often how to make excuses for not doing what we're told to do, right? And I think some of us are still just living that way, and sometimes I am well. What about courageous? Is it hard? I mean, sometimes people hear a message like this, and, and you try to be inspiring, and they're like, yeah, but it's hard. Fear grips my heart, like, like a hand just choking me. The anxiety is great. How many of you know it's hard to be courageous? Right? We don't even raise our hand because that's, that's too fearful. No, seriously. It's hard. It's hard to be courageous. It's hard, to, it's hard to keep going sometimes. Really, really hard. And then how many of you know it's hard to be kind? Because I can be kind as long as someone's nice to me. But as soon as you cross me or mine, I'm not so kind anymore. Amen? It's hard. It's hard to be kind. God knows that it's hard for us to be all of this. Amen? God knows that it's difficult for us to be the rock that he maybe wants us to be. For ourselves and for our family and for others. We can't be the rock. But here's the good news this morning. And in every message, every time you read the Bible, you should look for the good news. 
And you find the good news where you find Jesus Christ. Where is Jesus Christ in all of this? Where is the good news in this message this morning? Well, it's in the name of Jesus. In the narrative that John read for us, two names of Jesus were mentioned. First of all, Jesus, which we talked about last week, which means God saves. God saves. God saves. In fact, he's the only one that saves. How many of you know that? He's the only one that saves, right? Because you know how hard it is. We can't even help ourselves sometimes, let alone help somebody else. Can I get real for a moment? All of us in this room probably know someone who has struggled with addiction of some kind, right? And how many of you have tried to help someone that struggled with an addiction and found that you couldn't help them because then ultimately they've got to help themselves? But what does recovery teach us? They have to get to the point where they realize I can't even help myself. What does AA say? I came to the point where I realized I was powerless over my addiction and I had to have a higher power, something above me to give me strength to do what I need to do. Jesus came into this world as the word of God. The gospel writer John says the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. So that we might be saved from our sins. Because nothing else will save us. Nothing else will save us. You can't do enough good things to save yourself. You can't maintain this kind of commitment to save yourself. You can't be righteous enough, obedient enough, courageous enough, or even kind enough. You can't do it on your own, and I can't do it on my own. But praise God, he sent us Jesus Christ who can do it for each and every one of us. And that brings me to the next name of Jesus, which the angel told Joseph. It's what the prophet Isaiah said his name will be called Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. God is with us. Not only does Jesus have the power to save me, he actually is with me and saving me right now. Jesus is actually the rock on which I stand. So when we want to be a rock, when we want to be righteous, obedient, courageous, and kind, we need to understand that Jesus Christ is our rock. Speaking prophetically, the psalmist wrote, He alone, meaning Jesus Christ, I believe, in the prophetic, is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Jesus Christ is the rock on which we stand that will never fail us. Because Jesus Christ was all of those things. Jesus Christ was righteous. He did the right thing. He said the right thing each and every time. So you can study a lot of things in this life. But if I want to be the kind of person God wants me to be, I want to study Jesus because he was righteous. Jesus was obedient. The Bible says he became obedient even unto death. Even death on a cross. Jesus said, I constantly do the will of my Father in heaven. He showed us what true obedience looks like. Jesus was courageous because it was difficult what he had to do. And he was abandoned by everyone that knew him and loved him. And he was asked to sacrifice himself, to suffer, to die on a cross. He actually submitted himself to the powers of Satan and the devil and all the cosmic forces of evil. He was going down into the grave, down into hell itself with only the courage that he could have as the son of God. And Jesus says, no matter where I ask you to go, no matter how deep, no matter how dark, no matter how dangerous, I will go with you, ahead of you, to show you the way and give you the strength that you need. Because I alone am your rock and your salvation. 
I alone am your fortress where you will never be shaken because I am the Lord your God. I am Jesus Christ, the one and only. I am the God who saves. I am the God who is with you. When you hear that, may a seed be planted in your mind this Christmas season that every time you hear a song about Jesus, every time you hear the word Emmanuel, you will remember that God saves you and God is with you. That his power and his presence are always with you. And we will be transformed to the extent that we develop and cultivate an awareness of that presence in our lives. We don't have these things on our own, right? But Jesus Christ can give us these things and lead us. So let's pray, because I believe in the power of God to do what I cannot do just speaking to you. But God's Spirit right now in this place can just transform you. So would you pray with me? And I'm going to guide you in this time of prayer. And we're just going to follow this format. We're going to pray that God would give us the strength to be a rock this morning. And let's start with righteousness. I invite you just to pray to ask God to show you what the right thing is for you to do. Each and every one of you is facing a decision this week. I know it. I want you to pray right now and say, God, what is the right thing to do? Maybe you've struggled with obedience. I invite you to pray about that this morning. Maybe you've struggled to follow God, to submit to God. Maybe you're dealing with fear and anxiety this morning. Would you pray that Christ would give you his courage, that Christ would give you his presence, that Christ would be with you? And sometimes Christ asks you to walk, and sometimes Christ asks you to sit and stay for a minute. So listen to what the presence of Christ is guiding you to in this moment. And finally, do you have a struggle being kind for some reason? Would you ask God to just fill you with his love and his compassion? Would you remember that when God created you, he created you in love? God created you to be righteous and obedient. God created you to be courageous and kind. God created you so that you could become more and more like Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Jesus, would you transform us in this moment? Jesus Christ, the only one, you are the only one who has the power to change us. Jesus Christ, would you transform us in this moment? Lord God, would you create in us the ability to do what's right? That as we have opportunity, we would stand up and speak up and act for what's right. Jesus Christ, would you show us how to be obedient? Lord Jesus Christ, could we have your strength to follow your example to be obedient to what God tells us to do? Lord God, I ask for everyone present in this room this morning, God, that they would have a greater awareness during the week, in the morning, in the evening, of your presence with them. And that they would find courage. I speak courage in Jesus' name. Though to those who are living in fear, I speak courage in Jesus' name. You may still have fear, but I speak courage. The ability to take the hand of Christ. In fact, right now in your mind, if you were in a dark place, just imagine yourself grabbing the hand of Christ. The hand of your rock, of your salvation, of your Redeemer, of your God, of your Lord, of the God who is with you. 
just as an act of faith and obedience, I take your hand, Jesus, and I proclaim that you are Emmanuel, God with me. You are Emmanuel, God with me. Some of you need to say that this morning. Right now, just say it to Jesus. Say, Jesus, you are Emmanuel, God with me. Say it right now. Say it right now. Say it out loud. Activate it. Jesus, you are Emmanuel, God with me. Oh, I feel the Lord speaking that to some of you. God, some of you, what you're going through, God is with you. Come on, you're going to an appointment this week. And God, you're going to imagine right now that you're holding God's hand as you walk into that appointment. Just do it right now. You're imagining that, right? Some of you are going to face somebody that you don't want to deal with this week. I want you to imagine holding God's hand while you're speaking to that person, while you're dealing with that person. That God is with you, right? Right? Just imagine that God's... Think of the place where you go when you just want to be alone and you just need to be by yourself. And I want you to picture you holding the hand of Jesus Christ in that place right now. And when you get there this week, His presence will be released in your life. In your life. In your life. Lord, we need your strength and your love this morning.